or new to church, maybe you're here for the first time, maybe this morning you got up and you're nearby the proximity of the building here, and then for the Easter holiday, maybe afterwards you're going to go over to their house on Easter egg, eat a ham, or whatever it is that you do in your family on Easter, and if you're here because of that, we're glad that you're here. Maybe you're here because you're a kid and your mom and dad, grandma, grandpa just drag you to church every Sunday. We're glad that you're here too. In fact, we're a church that likes having, you know, kids in our worship assembly, even if they are noisy at times, about half of them are mine. Anyway, we have six children, if you didn't know, so we're used to having a noisy car. We're glad that you're here. Uh, maybe you're here because um, it's, it's time to get back on. about him and recommit your life to him. Maybe you're here today, as many are too, because you were here this weekend for our Lads to Leaders conference. If you didn't know, uh, we were the host of an event for kind of the region uh, for those to come in, uh, young men and young women, to showcase their skills in the areas of like leading worship in different capacities. And if you're here left over for that, from that, we're glad that you're here too. In fact, that's used a lot in the Bible that we're not too familiar with, but we'll talk more about it, but it's a phrase, I am. That was the theme of our entire event, but if you didn't know, this phrase, although it's first said in, in the book of Exodus there with God in the burning bush, that phrase, I am, is used a lot more in the Bible. In fact, Jesus Christ uses that phrase, I am, to talk about himself quite a bit. So this morning, we're going to talk about that phrase and as it relates to the resurrection of Jesus in just a moment. But because I know that in an audience like this, we have people here that have varying different degrees of knowledge of Scripture, I want to introduce you real quick to the Bible itself. Maybe this is the first time you've ever picked up a Bible. Maybe this is the first time you've ever sat in a church service and you don't know what this is all about. Well, us as Christians, we're a Bible people. We read the Bible, we study the Bible, we try to follow the Bible. You probably have a Bible right now on your lap or at least nearby you or on your phone or in the seat back in front of you. That Bible, although I know that that book can be kind of intimidating at times, you go, well, I know I'm supposed to read it. I open it up and I don't know where to start because, hey, it's a minute. It's kind of confusing. If you open it up to the middle of First Chronicles or Numbers or something, you're like, I don't know what this is all about. But the Bible itself is actually 66 different books. It's 66 different books written by, you know, several different authors. But nevertheless, if you're looking at the Bible, it's divided up into two main parts. You probably know that already, though. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is a section of the Bible that's talking about a bunch of different events leading up to the, the time when Jesus comes. He's the center of Scripture. Then the New Testament is the part of the Bible where it tells the life of Jesus and then the time that took place after Jesus where his followers went out there and converted people. That's what the New Testament is about. Now within the New Testament, there are actually four books specifically that are called Gospels or Biographies. They're kind of giving us four different perspectives of the life of Jesus. You might have read one of them before. Maybe you're familiar with one of them, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. They are all biographies from different inspired individuals that offer a different perspective on the life of Jesus. Now, these books, they don't, they don't contradict or tell us different things about him, but, you know, the things that I might emphasize about Jesus will be different than maybe what you would emphasize. 
and each one of those authors kind of takes a different angle at looking at Jesus. Matthew talks about him from kind of the perspective of, of what a Jewish believer might think and, and would notice about prophecy and things like that. Mark is writing primarily to maybe a Roman world, but John, on the other hand, deals with kind of people post-Jesus, you know, several decades in the future. In fact, that's the book I want us to look at this morning as we examine the life of Jesus, the gospel of John. So if you brought a Bible, let me encourage you to open it up. We're going to be looking at several passages in there. We're a church that likes people to follow along in their Bible. We don't want you to just, you know, believe what we're saying because the preacher said it. Don't trust everything I got to say. Trust what, what God's word says. And follow along. And if along the way you have some questions, let me encourage you to maybe write those down, put a note on your phone, talk to one of us afterwards, stop by our welcome desk out front, talk to me, talk to one of the leaders here. We'll get you plugged into a Bible study so you can learn more about Jesus Christ. But the book of John is kind of one of those gospels and so biographies of Jesus that might be even the most easy to, to understand. Because what John does for us, at the end of his book, in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, he tells us why he wrote this book. Makes it easy to understand. If an author tells you why he wrote a particular book, it makes it easy to understand the point of that book. Sometimes we would open it up and go, I don't know what he's trying to get at. John tells us what he's trying to get at. He says, many other signs, therefore, did Jesus do in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that believing you may have life in his name. That's the purpose of John's gospel. John says, I'm going to tell you a bunch of different signs that Jesus did. Signs like water to wine. Signs like the cleansing of the temple. Signs like raising up Lazarus. Signs like his own resurrection. Those signs are designed to help us believe in Jesus. And when you believe Jesus, that belief, you know, of course, will change your life. You begin to follow him. And then he says you will have life in his name. This morning, we're going to focus on that last point right there. On how believing in Jesus makes it possible for you to have eternal life. Now, how's that possible? Because the point we're going to see today is that Jesus alone is the only source of eternal life. If you don't want to live forever with your Lord, Jesus is the way. He's the only path to that. So I know that we have people here this morning that have all sorts of different levels of knowledge of Scripture. Some of you grew up going to church. Some of you are here for the first time. Some of you are here because you want to be here. Some of you are not quite sure. Maybe some of you are made to be here. Either way, this morning, I want us all to understand that point right there. Jesus is the source of eternal life. And we're going to see that not from my words, but from the words of Jesus himself. And in fact, we're going to look at a passage that many of the kids yesterday at the conference referenced. A passage in John chapter 8, where again, we're only going to stay in the book of John. John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus makes this statement. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. If you've been in the Bible for a little while, that phrase will stand out to you. Because you remember God telling Moses, because Moses didn't want to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He was nervous about that. He asked God, who should I tell him sent me? Maybe you saw the Ten Commandments movie as a kid or something. And God tells him to say that I am sent you. And Jesus now, several years, hundreds of years, you know, decades here, centuries in the future, makes this statement too. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I 
am. Jesus is saying, I've always existed, I've always been there, I've always been powerful. But that phrase, I am, is used a ton in the book of John. And every time, it's Jesus saying something about himself. If you came here this morning to learn more about Jesus, let's see what Jesus wanted us to know about him. When Jesus presented himself to the world, what points did he emphasize? How did he describe himself? Don't worry so much about what I say about Jesus or what other people are saying about Jesus. What did Jesus say about himself? Look what he said. Like in John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus declared, I am, there's that phrase, the bread of life, he who comes to me will never go hungry. What's he referencing? Jesus is the source of eternal nourishment. You want to live forever? Jesus is the source of eternal life because he is the bread of life. You follow him, you'll never go hungry. You want to live forever? Follow Jesus Christ. Jesus would also say in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Darkness is an idea of representing sleep, often even representing death and sin and being lost. Jesus says, you want to have guidance to life? You want to have purpose in life? You want to live forever in the light? Come to me, because I am the light of the world. Jesus would also make this statement in John chapter, um, verse, sorry, John chapter 10, verse 9. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. The idea here is an entrance into eternal life. Like I said this morning, we're discussing Jesus is the source of eternal life. You want to get there? You want to spend eternity with him? Is heaven your goal? Jesus says, I'm the gate. Whoever enters in through me will be saved. Jesus also says in John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He dies so that we don't have to thus leading up to a powerful statement he makes concerning really what he's going to do with Lazarus and how he's going to raise him up. In John 11 and verse 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he die. Jesus is the source of eternal life. And then finally, the last I am statement, you know, he makes beyond that, probably the most significant of all, John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's hold our fingers there in that passage this morning. John chapter 14. Here I want us to see how Jesus describes what he's going to do, what he's going to accomplish on the cross, and then ultimately his resurrection. And in this passage here, it is that we find motivation, that we believe that Jesus is that source of eternal life. Let's read together. John chapter 14. And again, if you haven't already done so, open up your Bibles, follow, and get into the habit of following along in the Bible, seeing what it says for yourself. Its words will bring life or bring light and life to your life. John chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus makes this statement. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God believe also in me. So he's talking to a people that already kind of had an understanding of God, and they believed in God, but they didn't fully comprehend who he was yet. And Jesus says, don't be troubled. I want you to believe in God or believe in me in the same way that you believe in God. Now, why are they troubled? 
He's, they're troubled because he already told them and predicted for them that he's going to die. So picture, if you would, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You've been with him now for three years. You've been listening to every word he has to say. You've been around him when he's done all sorts of miracles. He's healed people. He's cast out demons. He's walked on water. He's fed the 5,000. He's done all these things. And, and, you're, and you're enjoying being with him. Oh, yeah, there's persecution. Yeah, it's not always easy. But you're in the presence of Jesus, and you like every moment of it. And now Jesus says, I'm about to die. And now you're thinking, well, what's going to happen? How's that going to be? We, we thought you're, you're God in the flesh. Because they didn't fully understand what Jesus was going to do. They didn't comprehend that he was going to die, be buried, and rising. And they should have. Jesus predicted it back in John chapter 2, the passage that we already discussed. But they didn't understand it. And in fact, would we too? I mean, really, if we were there and Jesus said, by the way, yeah, I'm going to be torn down like the temple and I'll be raised up in three days. You'd be thinking, I, I don't fully get it, Jesus. And you know, a lot of times Jesus said things that they didn't get. Remember, he spoke a lot in parables. But they're troubled now. Jesus is telling them that I'm about to go to the cross and they... believe in me because I'm going to make something available to you that's going to be amazing. Verse 2, he says, in my father's house are many dwelling places. Your Bible version, if you're reading from an older one, might say mansions. Maybe yours says rooms. But he says, in my father's house are many rooms or many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus says, I'm leaving now. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die on that cross, but by doing that, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You want to live forever? You want to know where you can live forever? You can live forever as a resurrected individual in the Father's house. In the imagery here would be like in the first century, oftentimes what would happen is a person would get married and they'd start their own family, but what they would do is they would add on to the Father's house in that same location. And you'd have these like massive like compound type situations where different families all under the one family of the father's roof are there together. That's the imagery here. That hey, you're going to do your own thing and all this, but together you're going to be under the roof of the father for eternity. A place of security, a place of protection, a place of safety. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. He started preparing it there on the cross. He prepared it then in the grave, and he prepared it ultimately when he rose from that grave. When he rose from the dead, he made it possible for us to go there. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. The resurrection of Jesus is the way that the path and the place was prepared for you and I to make it to eternity in the Father's house. He goes on. He says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So think about this now. Jesus says, I'm going to go, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, I'm going to rise, and then we know that he ascends to heaven. But he also promises here something, that he's coming back. See, the resurrected Jesus, resurrected to never die again, he's going to come back one day. And the same type of resurrection that he experienced, we too will all experience. We will rise to be with Jesus for eternity. Jesus is the first fruit of the grave. And when he comes again, we can rise from the grave too. And where Jesus is, we're going to get to be also. 
Jesus is the source of eternal life. You want to spend eternity with him? Jesus says, I'm making it possible. So he lays out this great statement here. Don't be troubled. Believe in me. In my father's house, there's a place for you. I go to prepare that place. And imagine now if you're sitting there as Jesus is saying this, you're, you're confused a little bit. You're kind of wondering what's all going on. You kind of maybe in the back of your mind get it, but maybe you don't. You're just thinking, okay, I don't fully understand, but I do know, Jesus, that you're promising something wonderful for me. And, you know, a lot of times we give Thomas, you know, a bad rap. He got the name Doubting Thomas later. What a horrible reputation for a nice guy. But, you know, they call him Doubting Thomas. Well, here he's kind of questioning Thomas, but it's a legitimate question. It's a good question. Let me encourage you to question things. Question what people say. Question what people teach. Even question the word of God and make sure you understand it. Here he's taught something, and then he asks a question, but it's a good question. Thomas, after Jesus says this about himself, Thomas asks this question, and it's a question that might be on our mind too. It says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? I love this here. Because that's the question that a lot of us kind of ask. Hey, what's, what's eternity going to be like? You know, what's the process of the final resurrection where we're going to get to be with him? What did it technically look like when Jesus rose from the grave? All of that kind of stuff. What did his resurrection resurrected body look like compared to before that? All these kinds of things. We have questions like that. Thomas asked the question, Lord, I don't really know where you're going. We don't fully get this, but how do we know the way? Because Jesus before this says, the way you know, right? Well, in verse 6, Jesus answers that question. Jesus answered and said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father except by me. Whether or not you fully understand everything about the eternal plan of God, which I don't, and I imagine most of you probably don't too, right? Whether or not you fully understand all the intricacies of what God's eternal kingdom is going to be like, how, what it's gonna, how, it's, how you're going to live, what you're going to do, we don't fully comprehend any of that. But this point right here is simple. It's profound. It's easy to understand. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. It's very direct. It's very precise. Jesus says, I am the way. You want to get there? It's through me. Don't believe it? Well, I'm also the truth, right? Jesus is the embodiment of truth. Everything he says is truth, and he is the life. No one gets to eternal life without going through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the path of eternal life. Jesus is the truth of eternal life, and Jesus is the source of eternal life. If you want to live forever, which, you know, as a preacher, I've done a lot of funerals, and I've been around a lot of death, and I know that a lot of people are afraid to die. But at the same time, I've also been around funerals, sat bedside on those that are about to pass from this life. The ones that understand this point right here, the ones that believe that, that have served Jesus with every ounce of their being, they can say things. And I've had people literally tell me, at, when they're getting ready to pass from this life, say, I'm not afraid to die. It's because of that right there. Because they understand that Jesus is that source of eternal life. So then you go back to John chapter 11 and verse 25. 
Jesus makes that statement almost in passing. And I'm sure Martha, Lazarus, and all those there, the crowd, they didn't fully understand how profound that was. But when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, he is saying, I'm the source of it. And if you come to me and follow me, you can live even though you'll die. Yeah, our body will go back to the dust from which it is formed. Yes, you know, we'll go to the grave, but there will be a resurrection one day. And even though it looks like we've died, no, we're going on to eternal life. So let's bring it home then this morning. If you're still not fully understanding what we're getting at, here's the point. Jesus beat death. He defeated it. He wasn't afraid of it. And you don't have to be either. Jesus defeated death so that you can too. You don't have to be afraid because with Jesus Christ, you can live forever. He went on to an eternal home. And he says, where I am going, you're going to get to be there one day. I look forward to that. I want to spend eternity with Jesus. I want to be with him in the Father's house. I want to enjoy the, you know, that transformed body that the Apostle Paul talks about, where there is no more crying nor suffering nor pain, where we've been transformed. The Re book of Revelation talks about that all those old things have passed away, right? We're going to look forward to that. How is that possible? Because Jesus is that source of eternal life. So now here's the call to action then for all of us here. Let's follow him. If we want those blessings, if we want to partake in that, that blessing of eternal life, if we don't want to be afraid of death, follow Jesus. And I know that probably you already believe in him because that's why you're here. You, you understand him and maybe now studying more about him, you understand that he's Lord, that he was God in the flesh and that he died on the cross. You, you believe that. Let that belief motivate you then to change. There's a fancy word in the Bible, it's the word repentance. It means to change. It means you understand, okay, I'm on the wrong path, I need to get off of it. Allow that belief in Jesus to motivate you to do that. And ultimately, allow that belief in Jesus to cause you to not be ashamed of that belief and be willing to make that confession before men that he is Lord. Just like the Ethiopian eunuch did, and just like others throughout history have done. Be willing to make that confession. And if you're willing to make that confession, we'll baptize you into Jesus Christ today. You can be baptized having your sins washed away. And the Bible actually talks about it. He calls it being born again or being raised to walk a new life, a resurrected life. In fact, when you're baptized, you're replicating what Jesus predicted here in John chapter 14, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Do you want to spend eternity with Jesus? Do you believe that he is the source of eternal life? If you do, do not leave this assembly today not a follower of him. Maybe you strayed away. Maybe at one time you were baptized into Jesus Christ and you were on fire for him, but you drifted back into that old way. Come back to him. He's still the source of eternal life. In just a moment, we're going to leave these front pews open. We'll have one of the elders up here. I'll be up here. We can pray with you if you've drifted away and you want to be restored. We can hook you up with someone for a Bible study if you want to learn more. Maybe you don't fully grasp it yet. That's fine. We'll talk to you more. I know that coming forward down the aisles on a church service is probably the most unnerving thing you can think of doing, right? But maybe you just want to learn more. Talk to one of us afterwards, too. But if you're here today and you also know that right now at this moment you need to put on your Lord in baptism, we can baptize you as together we stand and as we sing.